1: Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. Today is Friday, November 4th, 2022. I'm Jason Breifel from Shaw, Bransford and Roth. Today, we're discussing a hot topic for every employee that they should be aware of, the realities of today's real estate market. With a lot of economic uncertainty on the horizon, our panel of guests today will provide important insights for feds and any homeowner, property owner or folks interested in being one of those to make smart financial decisions about their home investments or navigate moves with their agency or for their job. So let me first start by introducing our guests. First, from the Cardinal Financial team are branch managers Gavin Luckman and Joe Voltaggio. Cardinal Financial is a nationwide financial company that assists home buyers with purchasing a mortgage, refinancing, and home loans. Cardinal also provides education services to home buyers whether you're purchasing your first first home or looking for an additional investments. Cardinal recently launched a public service program providing specialized services and rates for those working in the public sector. Welcome to Fed Talk, Joe and Gavin. Jason, thank you so much. Thank you, Jason. Uh, and our other guest today is Amber Tucker, Vice President at BGRS. BGRS is a global leader in relocation and move services. BGRS provides relocation services to many federal agencies, corporations, and foreign governments. BGRS also provides thought leadership on a variety of topics from government relocation and household goods to commercial moving and storage. Amber specializes in linking relocation issues to government workforce issues. Welcome back to Fed Talk, Amber. Happy
0: to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Appreciate it, Jason.
1: Absolutely. And before we dive into our discussion today, I want to remind our listeners that Fed Talk is sponsored by the Blue Cross Blue Shield FEP Dental. Members get fully covered in-network preventive care, including up to three covered cleanings a year, plus no deductibles for in-network services like fillings and root canals. You can visit bcbsfepdental.com to learn more. All right. Well, again, I'm really excited about this conversation today because there is so much going on in the economy. We're, we're watching the rates uh, move, and, and people are really thinking about what this means for them their families, their loved ones, and 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 how it fits into the big picture of, of their life. And so I'm really looking forward to learning a lot from each of our guests today. I know that we gave a brief introduction about each of your companies, but I think it'd be helpful for our listeners to understand a bit more about the perspective that our guests from Cardinal and BGRS are bringing to the table today. Uh, and so Joe, tell us a little bit more about Cardinal Financial. Yeah, absolutely, Jason,
2: um, Cardinal Financial is one of the top mortgage lenders in the country. Um, we did about 35 billion in, in volume in 2021. Um, we're sustaining pretty well in 22, obviously with some 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 pullback. But uh, we are a direct seller servicer with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac and Jenny Mae. Uh, we're a delegated underwriter for VA, um, which is, is a very strong, powerful asset for us. Um, and we have a variety of products that uh, fit the borrower's needs we're a residential mortgage lender one to four family condos and co-ops and uh that's
1: how we sit awesome we're well, really really happy to have you here today and, and amber i know we've had you here on fed talk a bunch of times but if our listeners haven't listened to those episodes yet can you just tell us a little bit more about bgrs
0: I can. And uh, again, I appreciate the invitation to to rejoin you. Uh, BGRS is a global relocation management firm. We only work with um, business to business types of relationships. So we support private sector uh, as well as the U.S. government and the entire Canadian government. Um, our portfolio of accounts includes organizations um, anywhere from Honeywell International to any of the federal agencies that we're all familiar with on this call, uh, in addition to the, uh, the US counterparts and the Canadian government. Um, I'm a prior fed myself. Uh, the services that BGRS provides, it's is basically a whole spectrum of things to help individuals and families that are moving at the request of their employers from one location to another. So it's helping them to sell their property, whether it's to, BGRS so that they can get moved faster or to help them to sell their home to others. It's helping them to get settled in the new location, either in a rental or, or a uh, purchase property, moving their household goods and storing them. Uh, we also do expense management, so voucher review and payment for expenses that employees incur. Uh, and there's there's a lot more around that, depending upon whether they're going domestic or international. Um, so it's, it's really, we're hired on behalf of the uh, our clients to uh, help the families get from one location to another as efficiently as possible. We, since uh, starting to work with the federal government, we've moved about 140,000 uh, federal families over the last 35 years.
1: Wow. Wow, that's incredible. Well, I'm so glad to have you here, Amber, today, along with Joe and Gavin from Cardinal. And and i just wanted to open up this conversation just to talk about the the current state of the real estate market um you know i think that um for for those of us like me who who recently bought my first house in the in the, the last 10 years uh seeing interest rates climb up or p- above 7% uh is is pretty alarming um but i know that that is not new in our nation's history and 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 certainly um uh, you all may have seen uh, higher levels in the past. And so I'm just kind of curious, like from where you sit, uh, what what are you hearing about? What are folks focused on as it comes to the market and your networks? And maybe Gavin, we'll we'll start this one with you.
3: Sure, Jason, I'd love to talk about this. So um, one of our uh, divisional vice presidents, a gentleman by the name of Ralph D. Bagnera, was actually recently quoted in the Wall Street Journal um, about this exactly. And he said, you know, people. They don't know what to do they're scared so they're just doing nothing so what we're starting to see and i think we can kind of all understand that right um you know we're we're, we're looking at interest rates that have basically doubled year over year um the fastest increase in, in about a half century um you know home prices for the most part are still higher right because of you know the the inventory shortage that we had 2020 and 2021. um so you know we're looking at some affordability issues um so that really is what I'm seeing as the, one of the biggest um, factors in homeowners looking to jump into the market today, it's, it's the affordability, um, finding the right house at the right price, um, under the right terms. Um, and and you know, as you know, we see these rates increase, I think we're gonna see that um, possibly become even a bigger challenge. So um, you know, that's really what I'm seeing in terms of you know, what people are the most afraid of and, and that fear that you mentioned, that's definitely there and it's real. Um, you know, in the seat that I'm sitting in, I like to try to you know have good conversations with homeowners and help them you know really understand what it means to be set up for successful homeownership.
1: I really appreciate that, and especially with inflation in general rising at the same time, folks are looking very closely at at their household budgets and and how they're meeting those those day to day costs um, in their lives. Uh, Amber, you know, for a company that's in the business of of buying and selling houses, like how, how is this going for you and B.J.
0: Well, we're we're watching it very, very closely. We're watching the interest rates. We're watching um, the shift in some of the markets across the country itself, because we have a view to a very local level as well as a national level. But unlike Gavin and Joe, we don't have the entire population that they have. We're looking at our own population and the locations uh, that those folks are are going to be moving in and out of so we're limited to those um and i guess from our perspective we're we're probably going to talk about a lot of scary things today uh that people are worried about uh but the reality from our perspective is this is not 2007 this is not 2008 and i'm the all of us will be talking about what the differences are. I'm I'm sure as we go through our discussion. And um, having been in the industry for a while, you were referencing Jason that uh, some of us have seen some interest rates at different levels in the past. And and I remember the days when they were 18 and 20 percent. So um, we're still not in a bad place. And I think it's important that that we look at that, but we be prudent and we pay attention to some of the trending that we're going to be seeing as we going through go through this discussion. And and I agree exactly with what Gavin was talking about. So those are some of the things we'll look at as well. Um, We're also gonna be looking at what's gonna prevent our customers that are moving for their employers from uh, disengaging in their old location and reestablishing themselves comfortably in the new location.
1: Awesome. awesome, that's that's so great, Amber and Gavin. Uh, we have to pause here to take our first break. We're going to come back to this discussion talking about all things uh, real estate and the market uh, after a word from your sponsor. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Good vision coverage shouldn't be blurry. It took just one look at Blue Cross Blue Shield FEP Vision to see the difference. All members get fully covered in network vision care exams plus access to over 125,000 independent providers and national retailers, and plans that start as low as $12 a month. That's why I chose Blue Cross Blue Shield FEP Vision. See what we can do for you at bcbsfepvision.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. I'm here discussing the state of the real estate market with Amber Tucker from BGRS uh, and Gavin Luckman and Joe Voltaggio from Cardinal Financial. Uh, And right before the break, the point was made, and I think it's a really important one that I want to talk about some more, that the situation that we're seeing in the economy right now, while uh, concerning, changing, uh, you know, people are talking about an impending recession, uh, it doesn't feel like we're in the same place uh, as we were in 2007 and 2008. Uh, and maybe Joe, I'll I'll ask you to to just unpack that a bit more, and then and then have a conversation among the three of you. Uh, what are those differences, and and what are the similarities uh, that that may be out there right now? Sure, yeah, thank you, Jason. Uh, I mean,
2: look, looking back at '08, just to give a little backdrop on me and my history. At that time, I was a wholesale that could executive working for the largest subprime lender in the country at the time a company called new century financial now as a wholesale rep and uh we were doing anywhere from three to five billion a month in business and when you look at the volume that we were doing the quality or I should say the type of products that were being delivered at that time um it was a housing crash it wasn't an economic crash it wasn't uh it wasn't due to inflation It it was um loans that were bad loans uh written on bad practices that uh, caused, in my opinion, a demise of the market. If you follow uh, and you take a look back, that's truly what happened. It literally crumbled based on the housing market. Um, Today, very, very different. Um, You know, what's happening now is being uh, deliberately suppressed by, you know, by the Fed, by raising rates, by, you know, slowing down the inflation that's happening in our country, uh, specifically with the rates affecting value of homes. I mean, let's face it, when COVID hit and they lowered rates the way they did, although necessary, I believe, um, really skyrocketed values to the point where where we sat open houses with lines of people out the door. Money was very, very cheap. You know, Gavin and I were discussing this earlier, buying power today um, compared to where it was then. I mean, when rates were in the threes, your $500,000 loan was basically... Uh, almost twelve hundred dollars cheaper than it is today. So there's a there's a dramatic difference. So this is Fed related, and it's being um, orchestrated to, it deliberately to slow things down. Where then it was out of control, banks were going out of business, loans written by bad practices, um, is how I see it. Very very different from from then to now.
1: Thanks so much, Joe. Uh, Amber. And and
0: I I agree with everything you said, Joe. I think that's right on, and it it actually it's what I would have talked about too. And I appreciate that you gave it more substance than I probably would have. Um, But one of the other things we're seeing uh, from a a home buyer perspective or a home seller expect uh, perspective is that we've got a completely different dynamic. And the the folks that are selling homes, whereas we were looking in two thousand and seven. 2008, and I think this tacks onto what you were saying, we had folks coming out of their homes with not, maybe not a whole lot of equity. Uh, and we've got uh, homeowners coming out of their property while values escalated, employees or uh, home sellers paid a lot or home buyers paid a lot for their homes. They're also coming out, their values have appreciated, they're coming out of their properties even right now with some appreciation and some equity. Uh, and in most cases, they, ha- they put down substantial uh, to get the property itself. So I think that's another dynamic that that makes this a, a little bit different in addition to the the areas that you identified.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. Well, you know, I'm thinking about what you all are talking about just in the context of my own kind of home buying experience. And, and I remember my wife and I looking closely at, you know, which properties kind of cratered on value you know, after that period in 07 and 08, and which ones retained it. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're here inside the Beltway uh, in the Capital Region, and, you know, our neighborhood stayed pretty stable, and, you know, we've we've uh, accrued a lot of value in the eight years that we've been here uh, because of the growth that we've seen. Uh, but, you know, what we saw during the pandemic, and with that availability of of, of resources and low rates, folks were moving to, all kinds of places in the country for for remote jobs for a second property to be closer to family and so i'm curious if that if that that dynamic has kind of changed the equation on what kind of regional or national trends might have looked like in the past versus what they're they're starting to to look like in in the new normal maybe
2: yeah um so what we've noticed, and Gavin and I recently had this discussion, is that you know ups and downs of the market, but what we've noticed is there are markets that have minimal uh, fluctuation. There are some fluctuation. I'm not saying that it doesn't, but it's, it's nowhere near compared to certain areas, uh, and I believe a lot of that has to do with uh, school districts um you know schools are a clear indicator of sustainability in marketplaces um so when you look at certain areas like we just take new york for example Gavin and I can identify certain areas where we know the schools are superior those values usually sustain a lot better they weather this storm a lot better than the other pockets that you know aren't um because it's fascinating when we watch this market take off and we're looking, you know, scratching our heads, saying, "How is that area warranting those kind of numbers, right?" Because we know, how does it sustain that that level of of price? And I can tell you, in this shift, those are the first to go. Uh, those are the first domino to fall, and if you know, it, it it's interesting to watch it unravel. Um, but there are so to our point, our referral partners, some of our agents that we're dealing with. Some are areas that are like, well, we're not feeling it as much as others. And others are drastically feeling this pain because there's, there's not the, you know, the, the values there. And the hard part for them, um, similar to what Amber was saying, is the sellers today, yes, although they do have more equity, right, uh, if doing a lateral from 08, right, 08 eliminated equity. There were short sales all over the place. People have still sustained value in their home. It has not been a complete off the cliff. If anything, it's leveled out. Um, It has come down, I would say, anywhere from 10 to 20 percent, depending on where you were in the marketplace. But most of these people had a good amount of equity in their home. They refied when the market was right. They lowered their interest rate. So there's sustainability there in the housing market for that sense. All loans today are written with a full documentation background. So they're very strong uh, performing loans, unlike it was yesterday. So I, I do, I think that answers your question as far as sustainability, you do see some pockets dipping off, some more than others, but um, we are definitely not seeing it literally run off a cliff and say, you know, oh my God, now people are upside down in their homes. Great point, Joe. And just to kind of, you yeah. know, make the, the dovetail off of that, you know, I think in 07-08,
3: what we saw was a crash, right? I think what we're going to see heading into, you know, where we're heading now is more of a, a correction and a leveling off. Right, uh, you know what we saw in 2020, 2021, there was a run on houses, and people were going in, as everyone mentioned, and they were making offers above ask, right? Which was, you know, usually not the norm in in our and what we're used to. Um, now that was more, you know, the, the rule than the exception. You had to go above ask in order to get your offer accepted. Um, you know, now I think that is more of a thing of the past, except in those more uh, hotter areas, desirable areas, um, and, and that is very very. Um, Dictated by a lot of factors. And one that Joe mentioned is specifically school district. So definitely uh, agree with um, that huge difference between 07-08 versus now.
1: And, and I'm sorry, go ahead. No, Amber, I, I wanted to bring you in and 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 see what you thought about this.
0: I think one of the things that we're seeing, and we took a look at our our data in the last couple of months as it compares to the same period last year to see what the differences were. And we are definitely seeing a shift overall. And I've got some data that I could share with you, but I think it kind of skews the numbers um, uh, or skews, skews perspective. Some of the things that we're seeing on a kind of a top side level is softening regionally, definitely actually in our top 10 markets, um, we've seen a significant uh impact in the number of homes that are coming in to our inventory meaning where the employee isn't able to sell the home and then turn it over to us there it has to come directly into our inventory because the employee is not getting any offers on the property um and it's anywhere believe it or not from three to 35 percent in our top 10 major markets so yeah. that's that's significant but what we're not seeing there and i think where the detail is important is you're not gonna see a DC, Baltimore metro area on there. We don't see uh, uh, California on there, but we are seeing some popula- some locations where there's a high population for our customer base in the federal market, such as Texas, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and they're significant. Ohio is actually the highest where we've seen the biggest impact and it's about 35%. So those are markets to keep the an eye on and it's gonna be different once you get to the regional level. Um, And what I mean by that is you can get into the D.C. market as an example. Um, We're seeing some softening in the in the condo market, Gavin and Joe. I don't know if you guys are seeing any of that uh, from an appraisal perspective, but we're seeing definitely seeing that some of the older properties, because there's been so much new construction and it's got all of the, you know, the new toys that go in the new houses and those types of things. So some of those older types of properties are maybe not selling as quickly. They're still selling, but uh, maybe not as quickly. So though, that's where we're really seeing a lot of differences from a regional, um, a property type, those types of things when we're trying to to help our customers get their home sold.
2: I totally agree with that statement. Um, the condition of home, you know, it's one of those things that have always stood out from others, right? I mean, the the completely redone home opposed to the one that needs a lot of work. And what was unique in, you know, this recent, I want to say two and a half years um, that we went through with low rates, you know, every house was a hot house. You know, um, they were willing to be okay with the house that needed to be renovated because money was so cheap and they were able to do those renovations. Um, you definitely, I agree with that shift that, you know, um, and that's why in this market, what you wind up seeing is a lot of investors stepping back into the market, buying those houses at a discounted price where now they could renovate them and in this market go for top dollar because the house is completely renovated. So yeah, good point, Amber.
0: Interesting. One of the, the things that we're seeing, and I'd be curious uh, if, if y'all are seeing this as well, is it's not necessarily property condition, absolutely, you know how it shows is important. Um, but it's it's square footage, it's outdoor living space, it's those types of things that buyers are looking for that are, are truly impacting decisions.
2: Well, yeah, we had such a shift in, um, in, in quality of lives, right? I mean, we went from a COVID time, uh, we went from going to work every day. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm one of them, I mean, five days a week, I wear a suit and tie going into the office every day. I'm working from home now. I do that more often than not so the shift is you know those statistics are true tried and true i mean now we're working from home offices and and we want to be able to be comfortable in that workspace so i think you're seeing a lot more of that um throughout the country where
1: people uh spend more time at home and they they want those spaces to be more valuable i had a i guess a random follow-up question here because um you know there are also during the past two and a half years just people straight up buying houses with cash on t- on top of, you know, the asking rate. Like, is that a trend that goes away as rates continue to rise? Or are those the people that are going to continue grabbing up investment properties?
3: You know, that's that's an interesting point, Jason. I actually read an article recently that said that cash transactions have officially outpaced FHA transactions for the first time since 2007. Um, And that's a huge shift in our market, right? Um, You know, conventional loans are still the number one, but I think to your point, yes, you know, and Joe mentioned this or alluded to this earlier. uh, we, We, you know, we're definitely gonna see those investors who have cash coming out and capitalizing and, you know, maybe taking advantage of those homes that aren't the new builds that are going to go for a discount um, because that's really where you see your biggest, I guess, return on investment sitting in the seat of an investor.
0: You know, one of the things that we're starting to see, and I'd be interested in a a discussion here is the assumption of mortgages. It's coming back. We haven't seen them in years and years and years. And then suddenly they're, they're cropping up, like not as the norm, but cropping up and they always appear to be You know, if I can get a 2% interest rate, that's better than this, but it's not always the case. And I I think there's some balance and that uh, people need to think about as as they're going through that process or thinking about that. So I don't know if you all have any thoughts on that.
3: You know, the, the assumability of mortgages is, you know, something that I kind of say, pops up when we do see a, a, a rise in interest rates, right? Other things that we see are these, you know, temporary interest rate buy-downs, people are you know, interested more in maybe exploring adjustable rate mortgages. Um, you know, I, I guess those things, you know, I'll speak on assumability first. It's very, very challenging, in my experience, to find a lender that will allow you to approve the, assume, the, the assumption of the mortgage, right? That's, there's a lot of, I guess, red tape to cut through. Um, so, you know, although that is something that would be super desirable, um, in today's market, someone who has a rate of, you know, let's say in threes, uh, if you're willing to let someone assume that mortgage, there is something to be said for that, right. If you can obviously pull it off. Um, but the red tape behind that is something that I personally, and, and maybe Joe, you have other experiences yet to, to find as something that is more of uh, the exception than the rule.
2: Yeah, I have yet to go to any uh, to fruition with any of that. So the truth is, um, I, I concur with Gavin. Very, very difficult, um, challenging process. I wish they would make it a lot easier. So then there would be more of it.
0: Yeah. And we're seeing it specific to BA loans primarily. Um, and it's complicated for us too. It definitely drags the process out. So it's not going to be a normal real estate transaction for a customer who's moving or for a seller in any regard. But uh, yeah, definitely makes things take a lot longer. But thank you. I appreciate that.
3: appreciate your, your take on that as well.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I, I'm sorry.
1: I got to barge in here to, to stop the discussion for just a second here. Uh, we need to pause uh, for a break and a word from our sponsors, and then we'll dive right back into our discussion. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Want to know the secret to my bright, vibrant smile? It starts with my Blue Cross Blue Shield FEP Dental Coverage. I have no deductible for in-network services like fillings, x-rays, and root canals, and my routine preventive care is fully covered, including up to three cleanings a year. Plus, having nearly half a million in-network provider access points means I can find trusted care close to home. Plans start as low as $20 a month. See what we can do for you at bcbsfepdental.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're entering the second half of our show, uh, and we're talking about all things uh, real estate, uh, the market, uh, home buying, investing—you name it. And before the break, uh, the the issue of uh, veterans loans came up, and and I know that we have a bunch of veterans and and folks who qualify for VA loans who are in our listening audience. So I wanted to. To just talk about some specific considerations for that population for just a few minutes here, and uh, and maybe Gavin, you know, for four of those folks, you know, what are some things that they should be thinking about? What are some programs or uh, some some tools or some tricks that they should be thinking about as they're approaching this market? Sure, great question, Jason. And um, you know, one thing that you know,
3: Cardinal Financial uh, does very very well is they they help our, our veterans. Um, You know, we have a very, very big credit box in the VA space, Um, and so let's just kind of unpack what that means, right? So, uh, a VA loan is a loan specifically for a a veteran that has enough credible hours uh, of service time, Uh, and what they're able to do is they're able to purchase a house essentially with no money down. It's a zero money down purchase. They can go up to 100% financing, um, and Unlike another loan product, whenever you put less than 20% down, you usually have to have a monthly mortgage insurance expense. With a VA loan, you don't have that. Um, If you're considered disabled by the uh, Department of Veteran Affairs, uh, you waive uh, the VA funding fee, which is a fee that the Department of Veteran Affairs charges uh, a veteran to obtain this type of home loan. Um, But as a disabled veteran, you're actually exempt from that fee. Uh, So again, being able to purchase a home with a, a generally lower interest rate Um, without having to put any money down or into the transaction. And also the ability to uh, essentially, um, you know, have the seller help you get some of the closing costs paid for. Uh, I believe you're allowed up to 4% of the transaction in terms of seller assistance. So with all those factors combined, you're really looking at possibly a zero money down purchase as a, a veteran. Um, and, you know, as we mentioned, there's a record inflation. Things just cost more. Um, if you have some extra money saved up, you don't have to repurpose those dollars into the transaction. Um, you know, you're, you're kind of setting yourself up for more successful homeownership.
1: Thanks so much, Gavin. And D- Joe, during the break, you were telling us a story about just how your own journey inside the company, learning more about this, working with some of your employees who are veterans themselves. I thought you had some interesting takeaways from that that our audience could benefit from.
2: Yeah. Thank you, Jason. Um, I, I do. I, I really appreciate this conversation because, you know, I think that um, the market of yesterday uh, where rates were very low, um, you had multiple offers on properties. I think agents in general were basically doing with what they understood, right? They understood the conventional loan, 20% or more down, um, that's that's the best borrower. In essence, the, uh, you know, it, the what happened was that the FHA and, and specifically VA would go to the bottom of the pile and they wouldn't even have an opportunity, even if they were the higher bidder. And, and that's you know right out of the, the mouth of because they would have to concur with you know speak to uh, this seller and say, hey, listen, these are the offers, and you know sometimes it's the seller making a decision as far as who they want to sell their home to, and it became um, frustrating veterans to buy homes because here they are as a veteran, you know, served in our military and, you know, have these rights. We we give this to them as, you know, a thank you in a lot of ways for their service. And now they're struggling to be able to get an accepted offer on a home. So I went on a mission to truly educate realtors and say, listen, this is probably one of the best loans that you have in your deck. You don't even realize it. Here's why. One, who wouldn't want to sell their home to a veteran? You know, and that's really, I try to hit them with their heartstrings. How do you not sell your home to a veteran if, if you have that opportunity? But more importantly, this is a fairly backed loan. Um, it, with Cardinal Financial, we go through a vigorous process in doing what's called a TBD commitment on that loan. So we tell them basically, loan's underwritten already. This is as good as it's going to get for uh, your borrower in this home process. But what's started to happen is, as the market started to soften, less offers coming in. Now all of a sudden they're all ears to the product. Oh, what do we need to know? Because now they're starting to see that these offers are there and they want to accept them. They want to, you know, now consider them. So I think, you know, so I guess what I'm saying is in this market right now, it's a positive thing for veterans to now get out there and start looking for homes because um, you do have sellers that are more uh, willing to take uh, those offers. And it's unfortunate that, you know, the majority of agents and sellers don't or aren't aware enough about the loan products that, that exist, especially for veterans. But uh, in this market, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for veterans to take that, um, this opportunity and, and get out there and start looking at homes. I think what Gavin said is perfect. 100% financing uh, with seller's concession. You, you're dealing with borrowers walking in with little to no money out of pocket and uh, really putting them in, in a position where they can have home ownership instead of, uh, of renting. I do want to share one one quick story because i think it's valuable it's important you know that where that borrower goes to for a veteran loan and this is not just veteran loans this is any loans in general because i use it as an example just because it was front and center it just happened to be this week but a borrower went to a traditional lender uh they could qualify for a veteran loan and um, they didn't go through the proper steps they left out some things and i think uh, a strong message to state to veterans that if you're not getting asked for your dd 214 right if they're not pulling the coe uh to qualify you before you go out there looking at homes if they're not asking for all your income documentation uh red flag um they can't properly qualify you without those things so make sure that you're dealing uh it may be with the right lender that's actually asking the right questions because uh i'm dealing with one right now that now we're in a situation where she's in full contract and uh she doesn't qualify for this particular property. So she's got to go out there and look again. So I hate to see situations like that, but um, good topic. I appreciate it, thank you.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for sharing that, Joe and Gavin. And, and Amber, I'm you know, curious from your perspective, working with agencies and working with federal employees, we know that there's a large percentage of whom whom are veterans, including those who have to you know, relocate on a mandatory basis for their jobs, certainly our law enforcement officers and others. So what, what is this looking like for, for BGRS?
0: I, I think it's kind of looking what was old is new again, and we need to refresh ourselves too to make sure, as I had mentioned before the break, that we're we're just providing the proper guidance to the folks that are home sellers, in addition to the, the folks that are looking to buy homes and need our guidance for that. Um, And it's, it's really just bringing ourselves forward. Um, I mentioned that we had uh, started to see some more VA assumptions specifically before the, before the break. And um, frankly, we had to step back and say, wait a minute, we need to, to refresh. We haven't had to deal with this in a long, long time. And just making sure that we're, we're doing our due diligence uh, to protect our customers and our, our agencies.
1: Yeah, no, I think that that's really interesting, and it sounds like you know, as, as the market comes and goes, you know, the the levers or the the products that are going to be most relevant change, um, mm-hmm. and so having some of those questions, making sure that you uh, are are being asked, you know, are you bringing these these documents and and all all of the things to the table, uh, so that you don't end up in that situation uh, that that Joe just shared, uh, is really critical. Um,
0: well, I want to I want to
1: pivot the discussion a little bit here, um, and and kind of talk about supply chain and 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 the the, the lenses that I think about that from are are twofold, uh, kind of just the housing availability, the stock of you know the right kind of uh, and the right quantity of houses but then also you know the the other supply chain issues that we've seen in the economy moving stuff around uh, not enough trucks not enough boats uh etc um and and maybe amber we'll, we'll start with you on on kind of that logistical side of the equation and then bring it back to, to joe and gavin for you know what is the, the the stock of housing uh look like and how is that affecting things
0: Inventories for the most part, and it, it kind of goes back to the regional and national, you know, locations that you're dealing with. Uh, inventories are still fairly low. We're still seeing multiple offers in certain locations, not 20 offers, maybe two offers, things like that, uh, and, and certain markets that we're touching. Uh In other markets, uh, we're seeing an increase in inventory times for homes that are on the market. So as an example for homes that we acquired and brought into our inventory, it's taking on average about 15 additional days to get the property sold, Um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is when you're paying the bills for all of the the things, plus you have to get it to closing and all of that. Um, But so I would say there's still probably a shortage, but I anticipate that that's going to stabilize. And level itself, and we will see some uh, some surplus in certain markets, and and maybe not so much in other markets. One of the areas that we worry about the most is some of the the uh, less urban locations, um, and we're starting to see some inventory pick up there, uh, where it's taking a little bit longer. That we're seeing some softening in and the property values, those types of things. But I think the other thing that's interesting, and when we talk about supply chain in our industry. Um, every segment of our, our industry supply chain was impacted. It wasn't just the housing market. It was to your point, Jason, the household goods providers that uh, we need to get the trucks and the crews to uh, the property locations to pick the employees up on the schedule that they need to move on. Um, they don't have a lot of luxury in terms of delaying things or, or something like that. We had difficulty get, difficulty getting crew members Um, We had difficulty with equipment because it may have been bottled up in California and we needed it in New York. Uh, So we had all of those types of things. We also saw a shortage and I'll be interested if Joe and Gavin saw this, a shortage of um, appraisers in addition to an increase in cost. So just to establish a value on a property, we had to search a whole lot harder to find folks that were qualified to do what we needed them to do. And we also saw a 12% increase in the cost of an appraisal. Um, and that's significant. We saw the same situation for home inspectors and temporary housing. Uh, temporary housing was kind of interesting, kind of the rules changed there where we had to put employees into apartments. Uh, typically, they, temporary housing firms require that you reserve a unit for 30 days now they were requiring that we reserve them for 90 days. So we're just monitoring those types of things to see if that's going to soften up a little bit and get a little more flexible, uh, but literally affected the entire transaction end-to-end for for the customers we were touching.
1: Wow. Um, Wow. Um, That that was... And, it, and it's continuing, right? You know, you're, you're still, you're still working your way through these things. Yeah.
0: As as the market slows down a little bit, the appraisers are becoming more available. Unfortunately we don't see a lot of them entering the marketplace uh, for our industry anyway. Um, so we're anxious to, to see if things are going to free up. People aren't refinancing the way that they were. So we can, we can get some accessibility where maybe we couldn't before.
1: Yeah. And uh we, we've got a pause here to take our last break, but when we come back, we're going to pick up on this thread because I think that that notion about the appraisers, you know, at the end of the day, someone's got to tell you what this property is worth, whether you're buying or selling, that's a key ingredient in this equation. Uh, and we'll leave folks in our fourth segment with just some considerations and some key takeaways from our guests. Uh, you're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Ready to picture the right vision coverage? Blue Cross Blue Shield FEP Vision has two plans designed to fit any lifestyle. All members get fully covered in-network vision care exams and a frame allowance, plus access to over 125,000 independent providers and national retailers. And the best part? Plans start as low as $12 a month. With Blue Cross Blue Shield FEP Vision, you get no illusions, just great coverage. Exactly how you pictured it, right? See what we can do for you at bcbsfepvision.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're entering the last segment of our show, so let's dive right in. Before the break we were talking about uh kind of the changing nature of appraisals and and how challenging it was and and how increasingly expensive it became. Um and you know, at the end of the day that's the valuation on the property. It it, it matters to everybody. And so it seems like a really key ingredient of this this puzzle here. And so Gavin, I just wanted to invite you to talk a bit more about uh, the changes that we've seen, you know, in the past two years. And, you know, some of them were certainly uh, informed by COVID as well, right?
3: Sure. So um, Amber made a great point uh, before the break. She mentioned that, um, you know, with everyone trying to take advantage of the lower rates and and, and refi, uh, you know, appraiser, and obviously with the run on, on houses and everyone trying to buy uh, with, with rates being so low back in 2020 and 2021, it was really challenging to find uh, an appraiser. Who would be willing to go out and appraise the property and deliver it within a reasonable turnaround time uh, to, you know, obviously fit a, a deadline or or a, a time crunch? And I'm sure in, in Amber's case with the relocation, that is very very important. Uh, but what we were seeing is, um, you know, I, personally and and within a lot of transactions within our within our division, the cost of the appraisal in some instances was, you know, not 12% higher, maybe that on average, but we were seeing maybe double or triple. Um, And and the turnaround times just weren't there, you know, Um, you know, personally, when I bought my house, uh, you know, the appraiser that came out that we ultimately found finally after several attempts, she was coming and accommodating us, not because it fit her, you know, it fit my schedule, but because this, this person had about four or five other appraisals to do in my neighborhood. That's how crazy it was. Um, and she got a premium for that. So um, now what we're seeing, a monumental shift, it, it, things are moving in the opposite direction, right? Um, the appraisers aren't as busy. But to Jason's point about how things kind of change in the appraisal process with COVID, um, what we were seeing as um, you know precautions were being put in place to help protect people, um, we would see that the automated underwriting system uh, that both Fannie and Freddie uh, have we're giving more appraisal waivers, which basically meant that they accepted the value as it was submitted through the automated underwriting system. Um, that basically eliminated the need to do an appraisal. What we're seeing now is as property values are starting to soften in both, you know, certain areas, uh, you know, regionally and nationally, um, Fannie and Freddie not giving out as many appraisal waivers. They want that property valuation in place. And I think we can all agree on this call based upon what we talked about with 2007, 2008, um, just to kind of be a little bit more cautious. Uh, I, I don't think a little bit more property evaluation is a bad thing in this market.
2: Yeah, I will comment again on that one too, Gav, because you know I'm glad you brought up the 08 lateral to where the market is today, because I gotta tell you, I probably got my uh, biggest education in, in appraisals and had read appraisals back in 08 because when that market hit let me tell you um you know the uh lenders were chopping up these values left and right whatever came in they were they were counter it they were reducing values i don't know if you guys remember that but you know it was a scary time um and today um I, listen i don't want to get ahead of myself but as of right now I'm not seeing a tremendous amount of appraisals that, one, don't appraise, or I can tell you just from where we sit, I don't see my underwriters saying, no, I got an appraisal. That's not the value and then reducing value. So, you know, from from 08 to today, when you're doing that side by side, I think that's a strong comparison because um, values are a big indicator. Usually what happens, you know, we know it's happening, but it's to the point where it didn't fall off a cliff. Um, I just want to share some data. It kind of falls along the same line. It's something that was sent to us by, by one of our managers. But if you look historically, you know, in 1979, 1981, 1994, there were drastic drops, uh, I'm sorry, uh, increases in rates, right? Big spikes. And what happens on those bigger spikes is a very quick turn on the other side. If we just follow history, Um, and that's, you know, a big indicator of what we're looking at is that, yes, we may be living in this world right now where rates are on the rise. Um, one, you know, when we look at data, we look at this and say, okay, historically, when we have something like this, that is being pushed up by the government, we do have a very short window of where it starts to correct itself. Um, I, we look at that and we also look at the other side of, of price, right? Um, there's not a big secondary market for mortgage backed securities right now is the reason why most people, regardless of rate are paying points. So when they're paying points on this stuff, uh, is, is a reason of, is there that that the companies that are going to secure this stuff in the future, aren't going to be able to hold these loans for a long period of time, because they also feel that when a correction in the market happens, these loans are going to be refinanced. So they're not going to earn their money by securing these loans. So in turn, they have to front load it so they make their money because when the market does turn, we're going to refinance them out of it to a longer term product. So I know I kind of went on on a different role there, but they kind of all tie into one another because when we're comparing one market to the other and we're trying to get a gauge of what to expect going forward. I I like to look at data and I love uh, what was sent to us that really gives a good indication of what kind of transpired in the markets that are lateral to this. And also following the markets and looking at se- secondary market. Um, you know, where there is no par, you could be the eight hundred credit score borrower twenty percent down, there's still points. Um, and that's not
1: because we want to charge, it's because we have to, because there's no secondary market right now. Super fascinating. And and I get, you know, I guess these things just just go up and down. And, you know, I wanna take a couple minutes here in the last minute of our show just to leave. Our audience with with some advice, some perspective, or, or maybe some, some words to calm the nerves as folks are looking at what's going on out there uh, in the economy. And, and maybe, Amber, I'll, I'll bring this around to you, you know, first. And, and maybe there's, there's some perspective for both employees who might be being relocate, relocated, but also for, for agencies or companies um, who have employees who uh, are experiencing this right now in this market.
0: Yeah, I have two thoughts, and and I don't mean to sound flip, but I thought this was kind of interesting, and I I shared it with you during the break. One of the things that somebody said to me recently, we were talking about interest rates, is uh, that we need to put this all in perspective, um, and not to to overanalyze it. Don't fear it; it can be managed. All of that, and they said, uh, remember that you're dating your interest rate, because you can change that, you can refinance it, you can do all kinds of things with it, but you're marrying your house. That That's a little bit diff- difficult to change on the drop of a dime. So just kind of, I thought that put the, the whole concept in perspective. I mean, interest rates are higher, but they're not outrageous. Uh, people still need to to buy homes and those types of things. So to, so in prioritizing, prioritizing those things, just think about that. Um, the other thing I would suggest to agencies as you're listening is one of the great things that came out of COVID was the increased use of technology. And Gavin was talking about the, about this a little bit before. Um, we couldn't do appraisals on em- employees' homes in person. We had to force ourselves in an in- as an industry to revert to virtual appraisals, which we had never conceived of before. Um, we had to do virtual surveys for household goods shipments. And I thought that was a great lesson and just saying that, you know what, we need to stop being stagnant. The last time that there was a major change to an agency policy or the federal travel regulations that govern relocation transactions uh, was probably about 35 years ago. Um, And it was just a reminder that we need to take a look at these things more frequently uh, and make sure that we're addressing the issues that are at hand. So I would leave you with that. (laughs)
1: awesome uh thank you so much uh amber tucker from bgrs we're so glad that you were able to join us once again here on fed talk uh today uh joe and gavin i want to get some some final thoughts from each of you to leave with our audience as well and and maybe we'll start with joe you know i mean i think that's a
2: really really strong point that uh, amber made when we're talking about interest rates in the market today and uh you know Everybody wants to think that when they buy a home, uh, they're going to pay that mortgage for 30 years and they're going to be done um, in a perfect world, maybe. But the truth is, that's not the case. Um, and the, the reality behind it, what I was trying to alluding to earlier is that um, investors in the secondary market look at life of loan uh, at least five years. right? When we start looking at life of loan and, and holding that loan for, for less than that. Um, they start to lose money. So in this market, when you, you're dealing with higher rates, um, it's inevitable that you're gonna refinance because nobody wants to stay there, right? And, and there is a strong indication, just looking at the data, like I explained earlier, that it will shift um, when we don't know, right? I mean, I'd like to say it's gonna happen sooner than later, but even if we look at you know a year to two year window, it's Still going to shift, these investors are going to go and lose some money, so that's why they're kind of front loading a lot of this stuff now. So, when uh, you look at the property, it is so true that you do marry the house, you fall in love with the house. If you could afford it today, um, if you could afford that property and you can, you know, make that payment and it's comfortable, it's not going to put you in a bad position. You know, the it, what we're getting a lot today is should we buy? Absolutely, buy today. If you could afford it, pull the trigger. Because I can assure you it's only going to improve as this market changes. When you get into a better position and, you know, you're able to refinance and lower your payment substantially, it makes a big difference and a big impact. Um, it's, you know, you, you rent, it's a hundred percent interest. You're paying somebody else's mortgage, right? So with that, I'll turn it over to Gavin.
3: Yeah, no, I think Joe and Amber did a great job uh, of kind of, you know, mentioning, you know, the, this. I have the same sentiments basically, you know, marry the house, date the mortgage. You know, you will be able to, if rates come down, uh, have the opportunity to, you know, save a few bucks here and there, when, you know, with with rate reduction, uh, refinancing, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, hopefully this inflation slows down and just things start to cost less, right? And, and, and you'll have a little bit of a reprieve. Um, you know, that's probably the biggest takeaway from this ball, you know, yes, it's scary. Rates have gone up. However, if you work with a mortgage professional, um, get yourself pre-approved, you know, sit down with whoever's involved in the process, establish a really good budget that you feel comfortable, make sure that you're setting aside some extra money that you have in the bank, um, you know, before you get into that house to prevent yourself from, you know, having emergency situations. And if you can do all those things, um, I really feel that regardless of where the rates are, where the property values are, you're setting yourself up for successful home ownership, which is the name of the game.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to make one more comment here, you know, uh, reserves. A lot of people don't look at that and it's usually not a requirement in most cases on the lending side, but you know, inflation's a a real thing today. Um, you know, it's not just interest rates. It's, it's in everything that we, uh, we touch, you know, food, gas, all of it. So, um, you know, having, uh, just, uh, you know, being a homeowner myself, um, and trying to guide many, many homeowners, uh, with, you know, that I work with and my team work with, we always try to put them in the best position possible and, you know, it's just tell them, Hey, listen, have that nest egg, have something on the side. Don't put every last nickel into your house to make that purchase. And you're going to be literally, you know, uh, cash rich and, and poor, right? So if, if it means putting less down, put less down on the property, keep that money in your pocket if you can make that payment. Because those what ifs really happen when you're a homeowner. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to add that in there. So, thank you.
1: Yeah. um, Thank you so much. And uh, again, uh, Joe Voltaggio, Gavin Luckman from Cardinal Financial Company, uh, Amber Tucker from BGRS. Thank you so much for this really educational and wide-ranging conversation about what's going on in the real estate market. Uh, I appreciate your time today and helping educate our listeners. Uh, Fed Talk is brought to you by the Federal Employment Law Firm of Shaw, Bransford and Roth. Have a great day.